the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That's already new. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park and 910 WTWD Plant City. It's time for Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. You know what must have been absolutely going through their minds? I don't know the exact words, but thoughts like, what kind of a kingdom is this going to be? If believers are going to be so few in number and those few will have to contend with ongoing satanic oppression and opposition, then how in the world is Christ's kingdom going to exist and survive under those conditions? That's exactly what would have been going through their minds. What kind of a kingdom is this? And knowing that the disciples were thinking along these lines... Jesus proceeded then to give them two more parables to teach them a valuable lesson. And folks, here's the valuable lesson. Isn't it amazing what one-track mindsets the disciples had? For many hundreds of years, the Jewish people had been looking for the Messiah who would set up his earthly kingdom and put all nations under his rule. Now that the disciples had found their Messiah, it's no wonder they were anticipating Jesus overthrowing the hated Roman Empire and ruling from Jerusalem with their help, of course. So Jesus had to set them straight. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel has been taking us through the parables Jesus spoke to his disciples in Matthew 13. Today, we will begin looking at the parables of the mustard seed and the leaven. Open your Bibles, if you can, to Matthew 13, verse 31, as Pastor Steve begins to unfold another parable that Jesus called Mysteries of the Kingdom. Here is Pastor Steve. Once again, let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, and we find ourselves in chapter 13 of this wonderful book. And chapter 13 is the chapter of parables, and we are going to study a few more parables this morning. And I want to start reading, beginning at verse 31. He being Jesus, it said, he presents in another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all other seeds, but when it is full grown, it's larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. He spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. And he did not speak to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. With these words, Jesus gave two more parables to the people of his day. These are the third and fourth parables that we have encountered in Matthew chapter 13. And the first two, like the first two, they they are designed to help us to understand the kingdom in this day and age. The kingdom in this day and age. What God is doing in our world today in terms of building 
his kingdom. Now, the first of these parables is commonly known as the parable of the mustard seed for a very simple reason, because Jesus began the parable by saying the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. So we call it the parable of the mustard seed. Likewise, the second of these parables is known as the parable of the leaven, because Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. And so what we need to discover this morning is this. In what way does the kingdom of heaven resemble a mustard seed and leaven? If we can discover the nature of a mustard seed, and if we can discover the nature of how leaven works, then we will have gained some important insight into the nature of the kingdom of Christ's present reign in our hearts in the days that we are living. Now, it's very helpful to understand that Jesus deliberately gave these two parables about the mustard seed and the leaven right after he gave the parable of the sower and then the parable of the wheat and tares. And the reason that Jesus chose to give these two parables in this particular order was because he didn't want his disciples misunderstanding the nature of his kingdom. Let Let me explain. If you will recall, both the parable of the sower and the parable of the wheat and tares spoke about rejection of Christ and opposition to Christ's kingdom. Recall with me that in the parable of the sower, Jesus taught that most people in this day and age were going to reject the message of the kingdom. Like the three types of soil that were unresponsive to the seed that was thrown on them. So Jesus said that most people's hearts will be unresponsive to the seed of the word of God that's that's placed upon it. And so he taught that most people in this age are going to reject the gospel, just be a small minority of people whose hearts have been prepared by the Lord to receive the gospel. Then he moved on to speak of the parable of the wheat and the tares, which we studied just last week. And we discovered that in addition to so many people rejecting Christ, now we learn in that parable that Satan is going to plant counterfeit Christians. Remember, those, those are the tares. They look like believers, but they're not believers. They are counterfeit believers, false brethren, amongst those who are genuine brethren, genuine Christians, with the intent of trying to hinder the work of God. That's really the essence of the parable of the wheat and the tares. Now, imagine that you are listening to the Lord for the first time give these parables. What must those disciples have felt in their hearts? What must have have gone through their minds? Think with me for a moment. One parable emphasizes how relatively few people are going to believe in Christ, and the other emphasizes that even those few believers are going to be opposed by Satan and false brethren. You know what must have been absolutely going through their minds? I don't know the exact words, but thoughts like, what kind of a kingdom is this going to be? If believers are going to be so few in number, and those few will have to contend with ongoing satanic oppression and opposition, then how in the world is Christ's kingdom going to exist and survive under those conditions? That's exactly what would have been going through their minds. What kind of a kingdom is this? And knowing that the disciples were thinking along these lines, Jesus proceeded then to give them two more parables to teach them a valuable lesson. And folks, here's the valuable lesson, that his kingdom will not only survive under these difficult conditions, but it will actually thrive as it permeates and influences the world. That's the message of the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the leaven. That's a significant lesson for us to understand because there are times, if we're honest, 
as believers, we would all have to admit that we feel at times a little bit overwhelmed. We do feel a little bit overwhelmed at times by opposition to the gospel. We get it certainly from the media. We get it from friends at times, from relatives, even close family members at work at times, at at school. And there are some of us who experience more attacks than others, both verbal and, and mental, just because we believe the Bible. There is a sense in which you at times feel alone. You, you do feel that there's much opposition. You do feel like there are so few believers in the world. Well, this morning, it's our privilege as a congregation to study these parables and to discover their marvelous truths, which ought to bring great encouragement to every Christian living in this world that opposes Christ and opposes the, the gospel of righteousness. And so we want to begin our study today by looking first at the parable of the mustard seed. And we're going to concentrate on that, and I'll tell you why. We'll concentrate on that, and then at the end we'll we'll look briefly at the parable of the leaven, simply because the parable of the leaven reinforces the parable of the mustard seed. They're very similar. Their message is almost identical. And so we don't need to spend as much time on the parable of the leaven. But what what I want to do to maximize our learning this morning is ask two questions. Number one, what does the parable say? And then what does the parable mean? We want to see what it says in terms of we have to understand the background and culture of the day. And then we'll see what does the parable Mean So let's begin by looking at this number one question. What does the parable of the mustard seed say? You can't understand it and its meaning unless you know what it says. So verse 31 says this. He presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. Now, Matthew tells us that Jesus presented this new parable by making first a comparison between a mustard seed and the kingdom of heaven. However, what's very interesting is that in the parallel gospel account that Mark gives us, Mark tells us that before saying this, Jesus first asked a question to the crowd of Jewish people who were listening to him. Mark tells us that Jesus asked this question, how shall we picture the kingdom of God? Or by what parable shall we present it? So so Mark tells us that Jesus asked a question to the people first before saying what he had to say about the about this parable. Now, why do you suppose Jesus would ask them a question concerning how to picture the kingdom of God? It certainly wasn't because he he wanted them to give him an answer because he didn't know and needed their help. Now, the reason the Lord asked this question was to arouse interest on the part of his listeners. This question was simply an oratorical device that the Lord used to grab the attention of his audience. And it did grab their, their attention. Because to this crowd, remember, they're Jewish people steeped in the Old Testament. To this crowd of Jewish listeners, not only would a question about God's kingdom, kingdom instantly grab their attention, it would arrest their imaginations as they would think back about all that the prophets had said concerning the kingdom. You see, when the Jewish people of Christ's day thought of God's kingdom, they thought of a universal and glorious reign of Messiah on the earth. They, saw, they thought of something large, something global. They thought of, of, for example, Messiah would usher in an age of righteousness, an age of justice. They would think of such passages as Isaiah chapter 9, and the government will rest on his shoulders. There'll be no end 
to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. That's what they would have thought of. That there was a, an, an era coming in which Messiah would literally reign out of Jerusalem and the nations of the world would come and bow down to him. Israel would be exalted. They would also have thought of such passages as Isaiah chapter 11, which speak about the global changes in the world. The world of animals, Isaiah says, will no longer be antagonistic. You would have a little child being able to play with a snake. The lamb and the lion will lie down together. Isaiah 11 speaks about animals no longer being antagonistic. It speaks about everyone knowing the Lord as the waters cover the earth, so the knowledge of the Lord will cover this world. It speaks of Gentile nations seeking the Messiah. It speaks of universal peace. All of that would have come to their mind. So when Jesus asked the question, how shall we picture the kingdom of God? Those are the images that they would have had as pictures of the kingdom of God. Messiah's reign over everyone. Knowledge of God covering the earth, universal peace. Listen, what they would have thought of would have been something encompassing the world, something large, something splendid, something on a grand scale, because that's how the Old Testament prophets presented a kingdom, something that would encompass the entire world earth. So when Jesus raised that question, how shall we picture the kingdom of God? Their response, if they could have verbalized it, would have been to say, well, something of magnificence, splendor, colossal size. But remember, the purpose of the parables are to explain truths about God's kingdom that had never before been revealed. Look back with me at Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 and 11. This is so important to keep in mind. What's the purpose of these parables? What were they designed to teach? Verse 10 says, The disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? That is, why do you speak to the crowds in parables? They're like riddles to them. They don't get it. And Jesus, in explaining it, said in verse 11, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. There was a judicial statement against unbelievers that they were not to understand it. But to the believers, they were to understand it. And what were they to understand? The mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. That is to say that the kingdom in this day and age is in a mystery form. It had never been revealed in the Old Testament. It had never been explained. It had never been spoken of. A mystery, as we've said a number of times in the Bible, a mystery is a truth that has been hidden in the heart and mind of God and has been revealed only in the New Testament days. So this form of the kingdom in which, in which Christ reigns as king only in our hearts and not in a visible manifestation like the coming 1,000-year reign, millennial kingdom of Christ that the Old Testament Jewish people spoke of, that's what this is about, this unique kingdom, this invisible reigning in the hearts of individuals while he is physically absent from the earth. So you see, although these Jewish people knew about the kingdom up to that point, all they knew were the Old Testament truths about Messiah's glorious and very visible reign on the earth. And that's how they envisioned the kingdom of heaven. And that's how they would have responded had they been given the opportunity to respond to Christ's question, how shall we picture the kingdom of heaven? But before they could say a word, Jesus answered his own question. I told you it was just an oratorical device. He said, notice in verse 31, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. 
which a man took and sowed in his field. Now, I guarantee you that when Jesus said that, their minds were blown, as we would say today. Never in a million years would they think that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. That's not what the crowd had in mind when they thought of God's kingdom. Why would Jesus compare God's kingdom to a mustard seed? Because while the crowds were thinking that the Messiah would usher in a large and glorious kingdom that would fill the earth, Jesus wanted them to know that his kingdom in its mystery form would start off small and insignificant looking just like a mustard seed. Notice the beginning of verse 32. Jesus explains something, by the way, that they knew already, but he said it anyway. And this is smaller than all other seeds. The mustard seed is smaller, he's saying, than all other seeds. See, of all the seeds sown in Jewish gardens of that day or fields in Israel, the mustard seed was the smallest. In fact, mustard seeds are so small that it takes about 750 mustard seeds just to weigh a gram. And 28 grams equal one ounce. So you can imagine how tiny these mustard seeds are. Uh, in fact, a single mustard seed is so small, it, it's actually hard to see with, the, with the, the eye. Now, I would assume that most of us are not that familiar with mustard seeds. Perhaps you are. But you should understand the Jewish people that Jesus was talking to, they were very familiar with mustard seeds. They understood not, not only from an agricultural standpoint about mustard seeds, but in their culture, they had a proverbial saying when they wanted to speak of something as the smallest of anything, they had a proverb that said, as a grain of mustard seed. You recall that in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus actually spoke like this when he said to his disciples, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, and I think he was referring to the Mount of Olives, be removed and cast into the sea, and it would. He just meant that was if you have the smallest conceivable amount of faith, you can move mountains. It was very common for the ancient rabbis to use that proverbial saying about a mustard seed to illustrate the smallest amounts of things. Jesus didn't invent that saying. Many rabbis spoke like that. In fact, the tiniest violation of the Mosaic law was referred to as, and I quote, a defilement the size of a mustard seed. It's just a well-known saying. In fact, even today I'm told it is common for Arab people to refer to faith weighing the amounts of a mustard seed. So in comparing the kingdom of heaven to the mustard seed, Jesus was saying that the kingdom, his kingdom, was so small, as small as the smallest of all seeds known to Jewish people. Now, before we examine this, and there's a lot more to see, I want to just take a, and address a side issue to help strengthen your faith, because there are critics in the Bible who have come along and used this statement that Jesus said about the mustard seed being smaller than all other seeds. They say, that that proves that the Bible has errors. And maybe you've, you've heard this. Maybe some of you are not familiar with it. But, but the reason they say that is because it is a well-known fact that there are other seeds, such as the wild orchid seed, that is smaller than a mustard seed. Therefore, they say either Jesus didn't know this fact, which means, if that's the case, that he's not the all-knowing God that he claimed to be, or else they say he did know this fact and deliberately said something false, erroneous, in order to accommodate the ignorance of these first century Jewish people. 
So in either case, they say, it proves the untrustworthiness of Scripture and of Christ himself. Folks, this is a very critical issue. It's not a side issue. It may be a side issue for us just studying this parable, but it is a critical issue to our faith. Because if Jesus wasn't accurate about all things, even tiny mustard seeds, then how can we trust him to be accurate about eternal matters that affect our soul's destiny? The very inerrancy of Christ and Scripture is at stake here. So how do we respond to those critics of the Bible who claim that that this is an error? Are they right? Did Jesus make a mistake? No, not at all. They're wrong. Jesus was absolutely correct. Let me explain. He was absolutely correct in what he said about the mustard seed because, first of all, the word that is translated seed refers only to seeds sown in an agricultural manner. Not talking about something that's wild, but something that is intentionally sown in an agricultural manner. In other words, in using the word seed, Jesus is referring to something that is planted as a crop in a field or a garden and not something that grows wild. See, while it's true that other seeds were smaller than mustard seeds, they were all wild seeds and would not have been planted as a crop. So so when Jesus said that the mustard seed was the smallest of all seeds... He meant that it was the smallest of all planted seeds. And that was absolutely a 100% accurate statement. Secondly, we have to keep in mind that Jesus was, was talking and ministering within a first century Jewish framework. He, he wasn't giving them a lecture on botany about all plant life that would eventually take place on this planet. See, tobacco seeds are actually smaller than mustard seeds, but tobacco is a modern plant of American origin that would be discovered centuries later. Jesus was simply stating to those Jewish people of his day that the smallest seeds that they planted were mustard seeds. That's absolutely true. Listen, don't let the critics of the Bible shake your faith with accusations against Christ's integrity. The Lord Jesus can be absolutely trusted to speak the truth on all matters. And the Bible is absolutely inerrant and infallible, from mustard seeds to eternal salvation. Therefore, we can trust the accuracy of what Christ had to say about all things, and that includes what he had to say about the mustard seed being like the kingdom of heaven. So the point that the Lord was making in comparing the mustard seeds to the kingdom of heaven is that they're both very small and very insignificant looking. However, that's not all he had to say. And that's not all of the the picture of this comparison. Notice how the remainder of verse 32 reads. It says, and this is smaller than all other seeds, but when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. You see, here's the thing about a mustard seed. It may start off very small, very tiny, but it doesn't stay small. It doesn't stay tiny. It grows to be such a large shrub that it actually takes on the properties of a tree so that its branches are so strong and so sturdy that birds can actually come there and nest and stay in that tree. It's a known fact that mustard plants in Israel often grow to a height of 12 to 15 feet, and it is not uncommon to have birds nest in its branches. And so Jesus compared his kingdom 
to a mustard seed because they, they resembled each other. They're very similar in the sense that they both started off small and, and very insignificant, unimpressive looking, but they grew into something large, significant, and very impressive. Now, that's basically what the parable says. And that's exactly how the Jewish people of our Lord's Day would have understood it. They, they would have gotten it. But what does it mean? We have to understand the spiritual and deeper meaning here to get the point. So what does the parable of the mustard seed mean? You know what it says. What does it mean? In tomorrow's class, we'll find out the meaning Jesus intended his disciples to understand when he spoke this parable. Be sure to join us. Have you taken advantage of the free book offer from Verse by Verse? We would love to send you a copy of Timeless Truths from a Faithful Shepherd, free to anyone who sends in a gift of any size to help this Bible teaching ministry stay on the air. This 207-page compilation of some of the best of Pastor Steve's messages over the past 30 years of his ministry will be a great resource in your Christian life. Send your gift to Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. If you are blessed by Steve's expository style of preaching, you may want to send the book as a gift to a friend and encourage them to listen daily. You may also contribute online by going to versebyverseradio.org. You can call us at 727-239-0306, and our email address is contact at versebyverseradio.org. Your gifts are so vital to continuing this ministry, and we are grateful for your participation. I'm your announcer, Jerry Pruden. Thanks for listening to Verse by Verse. Deepening your faith. The Lord came call from heaven to Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't hurt him in any way. But now I know. Question. In your defining moment, does God know? Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBN. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.